0: Let me pray for us. God, you speak to your people through your word, and we want to be those who stop and listen and hear from you today. Uh, Give us ears to hear and eyes to see and faith to behold and to trust and lean upon you. We thank you for all your promises. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Which one of us has not gone into a store and, and, you know, you're making a big purchase and the salesperson says to you, Uh, If you just buy this little extra package, it is a lifetime warranty. Anything goes wrong, anything at all, doesn't matter what happens to it, you have my word. You call this number, you come on in, no questions asked, we're gonna fix it for you. You have my word. Well, okay, sounds pretty good. You go, uh, and something happens to your product. Well, you call this number, and uh, well, that's not working, so you go into the store. And you say, "Well, this guy told me." Uh, and they say, "Who who was that?" Oh, yeah, he doesn't work here anymore. He was just a part timer. He didn't really know what he was talking about. Uh, and so, sorry, you're out of luck. The guy who said, "You have my word," well, his word meant nothing. Uh, how many times has that happened? Not just in sales, but in relationships, right? People make a promise. People say something to you. You have my word. You can you can trust me. And their word actually means a lot less than they think it does Um, you know you used to be able to buy a house and and on you have my word well now you can't trust anyone but it's not because human nature has changed human nature has not changed at all people are not trustworthy it's just now uh, people are more uh, willing to just break their own word they their word means nothing to them what is it to lie what is it to change their word they don't care And how devastating would that be is if you are banking something large on your life on someone's word. Here, Psalm 119, we're going to see something that is so refreshing to us. That is the enduring, eternal word of God. Psalm 119, and you can look with me together at verses 89 through 96. Psalm 119, this is God's word. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. By your appointment, they stand to this day. For all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts. For by them you have given me life. I'm yours. Save me. For I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. This is his word. Martin Luther says, the Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. The Bible is not antique or modern. It is eternal. The Bible is eternal. And when it says at the very outset there in verse 89, forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens, you can hear God say, you have my word. And it means something. It means something because of who is saying it. And because of what His Word has shown and proven to be. We've talked about this as we've kind of looked at different passages throughout Psalm 119. You always get this sense of the trustworthiness of of God's Word. And because it's based upon who He is and what He has done. Forever, O Lord, Your Word is firmly fixed in the heavens. It's firmly fixed. In the heavens, in in what you have made, you have established the precedent for what your word means. It shows us the the height of your word, the the power of your word, even over the heavens. But your word is also outside of our understanding of time. It is forever. Forever forever. The word that God has said, the word that God has spoken, the promises that God has made, all that God has said is not shifting. It says in 1 Kings this, 1 Kings eight fifty-six. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel. Well, how did he give them rest? It says, according to all that he promised. Not one word has failed in all his good promise, which he has spoken by Moses, his servant. They could see that. This people, Israel, could, could have rest because not one word that God had spoken to them, about them, or for them had failed. His word was firmly fixed. It says in verse 90 here, look with me, it says, and your faithfulness endures to all generations. So the word of God is directly connected to his own faithfulness. His own uh, um, trustworthiness based upon who he is. His faithfulness endures all generations. It's not just a, a limited or this kind of lifetime guarantee. Well, God has said it lasts through all generations. His words cannot and will not fail from now until tomorrow or, or 100 years from now or from 500 years ago. It's based upon who God is, what God is like. What is God like? What is he like? Numbers 23:19 says God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said and will he not do it? He has spoken and will he not fulfill it? God's not like a man. He's going to say one thing, and if circumstances change, he has to change his tune. That is not like God at all. It is based upon himself, this God who does not change. He is not shaken. He is not shifting because of something that has happened. Oh, well, you know, financial times got bad, or a company goes bankrupt, or, or um, someone falls into a grotesque sin. And so just that, that guarantee, that covenant, that vow, that relationship has changed. That's what happens with the things of this earth. People and possessions, they are not like God's and God is not like them. It is a a tragedy today when people compare what God is like to, to what they can only see and what they can only imagine. It's a tragedy because then you begin to not trust in the faithfulness of God that endures for all generations. It is based upon this that people can stand firm in Joshua twenty three fourteen, uh, God says, And now I'm about to go all the way to the earth, and you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God has promised concerning you. All that have come to pass for you, not one of them has failed. Because God does not fail. And God is not a man that he should lie, or, or change, or do what He is not said He will do. His faithfulness, it is based upon His faithfulness that endures through all generations. It says, you've established the earth, and it stands. What's that displaying? What's that showing to us in the second half of that verse? You've established the earth, and it stands. It's basically what God determines, what God decrees, what He has established Is certain and it will stand, and nothing can shake it. Nothing apart from what He determines and what He has already said will happen. He has established the earth, and nobody can change that but God. What He has established will stand firm. It will stand firm indeed, of course, until He decides it won't stand anymore. But that's God's prerogative. You see that in verse uh, 91, look with me, it says, and by your appointment they stand to this day, they being the heavens, in verse 89, and the earth, in verse 90, the heavens and the earth, they stand. Well, how do they stand? How are they enduring? How is it that they maintain? Why is it that that the universe and the heavens, that, that, that the sky has not fallen? Why is it? And why is it that the earth has not stopped spinning? Why is it that they still stand and do as they should? Well, it says, based on the sovereignty of God, by your appointment, they stand to this day. By your providence, you are working what needs to take place in order that what you have said will happen. That, that the earth hasn't just collapsed without you finishing your promise, that That the heavens didn't just implode on themselves without you fulfilling what you have said. By God's sovereign power, by his rule over the heavens and the earth, by his appointment, by his decree, by his demand, these things stand to this day. He establishes it, it says in 90, and it stands. It's by his appointment that it stands it says, for all things, verse 91, for all things are your servants. He, he controls all things. He's going to work all things. If he has made a promise, he's going to fulfill it. And he's going to do what it takes to fulfill that promise. And it can be subtle things that God is able and, and willing to do. And it could be incredibly massive things that God will do with his servants. All things. The stars are his servants. The trees are his servants. The mountains are his servants. The the bees are his servants. You and I are his servants. Even those who rebel are still servants. They're still servants because at the end of the day, God is in charge. He's in control. If God has spoken, they can't change it. They can't change by what he has appointed but what he has appointed, these things stand. Even if, as Jesus says in Matthew twenty four thirty five, if heaven and earth were to pass away, here's the contrast. He says, my words will not pass away. My words will not pass away. It's incredible that there you see in verses 89 and 90, 90 the, the, the faithfulness and the endurance, the eternality of God's word that this is the word that is forever. This is the word that is firmly fixed. This is the word that is faithful to all generations. This is God's word, what he has said. And Jesus says, that won't pass away. Even if one day God decides that the earth will pass away and the, the heavens will pass away, the stars will, will burn out and the earth will crumble or split into, the word of God will not. So even if your world and all that you know and all of your heavens, the things you adore and all the things that you need and rely upon, even if that crashes and crumbles, the word of God, Jesus says, does not. It remains the same. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. In Isaiah, it puts it this way. Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. You just hear it echoed. It's not a, a, a singular concept. It's one spot in the Bible where think, like David is just crying out and hoping that God's word is eternal. No, it is a testimony throughout the entirety of Scripture from God's own mouth through Jesus as well. That it won't pass away. His word will stand forever. Isaiah 14, 24 says, The Lord of hosts has sworn, As I have planned, so it shall be. And as I have purposed, so it shall stand. You read that in verse 91 here. By your appointment they stand this day, for all things are your servants. Just echoes what God has declared. What I plan will be. What I purpose will stand. And, and this is just establishing something that we can stand upon. But it's based upon, firstly and foremost, the character of God, the faithfulness of God, this God who will not lie or be changed. This God who is not uh, impacted by the circumstances around him to, to cause him to, to crumble and go, oh, I can't keep my word anymore. God is not like that. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10 says, Remember the things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things not yet done saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish my purpose. I love it. Declaring the end from the beginning. Like, if you're to put it on a, a linear scale of time, from before the beginning, God has already declared the end. He says, this is what will happen. Not in a, in a guessing kind of way, not in a mystical kind of way, but it says, because I will accomplish my purpose. He declares from the very beginning, the end of all things. What will take place in your life and in mine? What will take place in our country? What will happen to the world? What will happen to that volcano and this tornado? God has already declared the end from the beginning. From ancient times, things not yet done. He has said, my counsel shall stand. I will accomplish my purpose. It's based upon him. His power, his ability, his sovereignty, his faithfulness. What it's doing for them, uh, for for David, and what it should do for us, knowing that the word of God is eternal, is it establishes a rock on which we can stand upon. A rock on which we can stand. Look at verse 92. He says, if your law, if, if your word, if what you have spoken had not been my delight, like if I couldn't find joy in that, if I couldn't um, lean myself upon that and trust in that and and know that that is not shaking, if it had not been my delight and my joy and my go-to, then I would have perished in my affliction. When trials come, when I think this end is so not the end that I had planned, I can trust in the law of God and the word of God and I believe that he has the end already fixed. That he has already established what is to take place, and God never does anything that is not good for me in, in, in that sense. Not anything that I don't need. He's a loving father who will lead me through affliction and hard times and trials because, like a trainer training an athlete who will allow them to struggle and to feel the weight of the workout, it is for their benefit. It is for the ultimate result of good. And so God, in the same fatherly, compassionate way, leads us through trials to strengthen our faith, to allow us to lean upon him, to to discover not just in theory that he is faithful, not just in theory that his grace is sufficient, but as you go through the trial, you know without a doubt only then that he is sufficient. Only then that he is truly got to be your contentment or you would not fail or, or, or you would not live David says here, I would have perished. I would have perished. I would have been done in my affliction had I not delighted in your law. Had I not believed your law. Had I not had something to hope in. And you've proven yourself, God. This word that is eternal, this word that is firmly fixed, your faithfulness that is enduring from generation to generation, and all through my generation, your faithfulness remains that's something that David's standing upon, that he can delight in. He says, That is what gets me through my affliction. That's why I can live. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. 93 says, I'll never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. So he just talked about not perishing through his affliction. he says, your word has given me life. And he says, because it's given me life, I won't forget it. If you go through a transplant, you will never forget it. Right? If a person needs a transplant in order to live, you will never forget it. You'll never forget that moment. Years and years will go by, but you will never forget that life-giving moment. Never, and, you, and I know you can know that without even needing a transplant. We know that. That you will not forget what's going to give you life. How much more then should we not forget the Word of God, which gives us not just life in this moment and, and, and like the ability to keep on living, even through afflictions and hard times. It, God's Word does that and gives us life in that ways. But, but far beyond that, God's Word gives us eternal life. It gives us life everlasting. How can we ever forget that word? How can we ever forget the gospel, the good news? That word which gave you life when when you finally heard it, when your ears were not deaf anymore, when God opened your eyes to see, he gave you a heart to finally feel the word that says, you're a sinner and you've offended me. And because of your sin, you deserve to die. And you feel that for the first time. And you hear it for the first time and you know for the first time that you have for your life spat in God's face. It's good news to know that there is a promise in the Bible, which is good news. It's the gospel, which says, even though you are wretched and you don't deserve anything but death and damnation, says, I gave my own son for you. Do you you trust that? Do you believe that? Do you understand that He, if you would believe Him, you do lean upon Him, do you trust Him that He has taken your sin upon Himself and, and He has been punished for it? Do you believe it? That word that you hear and that word that you're able to, by faith, believe in. You know, Romans 10 17, faith comes through hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. So so the Word is what gives you this this, this ability to believe. It's only through the Word. Like, If you never hear the Word of Christ, you're not going to have a faith that believes, that that truly trusts in the God uh, of the Bible or the gospel of God. But it's through the Word. It's through words spoken. It's through someone telling you the truth of God's Word. That Word gives faith. It gives gives teeth to the faith. Something to actually believe in. so, So that... By that faith, you're saved. You trust in Jesus alone. By faith, you lean upon him. Don't trust in yourself anymore. You trust in what God has done. Well, how do you know what he's done? His word. And that word says, if you do this, if you come to Jesus, if you cling to him, if you lean on him, if you put all your life in his, you're forgiven, you're free, and you're new, and you're found in me. Not just in this moment, but forever. You're safe. You're safe from your guilt. You're safe from your shame. You are safe from yourself and your sin. You're found in Christ. If that's the word that you hear, that you've been now given life, you should never forget it. Never forget it. It says in 93 here, I will never forget your precepts, for by them, by them, you have given me life. May we never forget the word. May we never lose the wonder of the gospel. May it be fresh to us. May it be ever on our mind and on our heart. Establishing again and again a daily faith. A daily reliance. A daily leaning on and believing in the trustworthiness of God. The faithfulness of God. The, 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 the sovereignty and control and the power of our good God. May we never forget the His precepts. He says, For by them you've given me life. 94 he says, I'm yours, save me. I've sought your precepts. And then in ninety five he says, The wicked lion wait to destroy me. You see the contrast there between ninety four and ninety five. I'm yours, save me. The wicked, they try to destroy me, but you, O God, save me. He says, The wicked lion wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. I consider that they cannot do anything to me without your established appointment, without you allowing this or that to take place. They may lie and wait to destroy me, but you give me life. It's an incredible truth. It's somewhere to place your feet, somewhere to put your faith. Is in the word of God, the testimonies of God. 96, he says, I have seen a limit to all perfection. Everything I've looked at on this earth, everything I have observed, everything that I I think has been excellent, I've seen a limit to it all. It kind of echoes Ecclesiastes. If you've ever read that book in the Bible, Uh, you know, King Solomon thinks that he can obtain like a satisfaction if he just gets everything, right? He has the best of everything and the most of everything. And he realizes in the end, all that he has, all that this earth has to offer him, everything, he says, at the end, it's vanity because it's going to pass away. That person will leave. This person will go wrong. This thing will break. At the end, it's, it's all vanity. All the, all the perfections, all the beautiful things of this earth, all the God-given beauties of this earth, he says, there's a limit to them. David says here, I've seen a limit to all perfection, but... Contrasts. Your commandment is exceedingly broad. The wicked lie in wait to remind us of our limitations, to destroy us, but we are to look then to the promise of God. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27. It's a well known uh, parable, a well known story. Uh, we're talking about an established faith. A- and a faith, where is it established? You may do all this thing, you may build this life, you may build a religion, you may build a, a hope system, but what is its foundation? It may look really beautiful, but in the end, what is it standing upon? It says in Matthew 7:24, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house. On a rock. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not keep them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. When the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house, it fell. And great was the fall of it. You see, when the wicked lie away to destroy and all the things of this life may batter you and come against you, and there will be affliction uh, against you, the question is, all, all that rainwater, all that wind, all of that uh, flooding water coming through, will you stand? Like, Will your faith stand? Will your life stand? Will all that you have established, everything that you have believed, everything that you hope in, Will it stand? Well, the question you must always go to is like, well, what's the foundation that it's built upon? Why do I believe this? And why do I trust in this? And why do I have this joy? How do I know that I'm going to heaven? Like, what's your foundation for that? Well, the Word of God. If the Word of God is your foundation that you're going to heaven, not like, oh, well, I'm a good person, or I've tried really hard, or I, or I prayed this prayer thing, or I, I tried this... Those things are not established upon a rock. They're not. They may seem on the outside like, wow, this is really good. You know, I've turned my life around and I've, you know, I've done the check boxes and that's why I'm going to heaven. That's not upon a rock. And when the storms come and they will come and when the judgment comes in the end, that house will not stand. And it says, Jesus says, the fall of it was very great. But is your house established? Is your life established? Are your beliefs established? Is your faith established upon the rock? The rock. This word of God that is eternal forever. Your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures all generations. By your appointment, all that you have said stands to this day. Is that where your faith and your life is planted? Upon the rock. Because there's a limit of all other things. All other things have a limit. But not God's word. But your commandment is exceedingly broad. There's a limit to the things of this earth. But there is no limit to God and his promises. One commentator says this. Where is the end of the boundary of God's word? I'm referring to the end of this verse. End of verse 96. Where it says, your commandment is exceedingly broad. He says, Where's the end or the boundary of the word of God? Who can ascend to the height of its excellency? Or who can fathom the depth of its mysteries? Who can find out the comprehension of all of its precepts? Or conceive to the extent of all of its promises? Who can take the dimensions of the love of God to man, which it describeth, or the love of man to God, which it teaches? Who knows the depth of the iniquity which the Bible unfolds, or the preciousness of the blood which the Bible holds forth for propitiation? It commands every duty to God, our neighbor, or ourselves. It forbids all sin. It inculcates and enforces every principle of justice and of charity. It at once humbles and gives courage, imparts tenderness and conscience. And of heart, and also makes men lion hearted. It abounds in all its excellencies. It is exceedingly broad. So, the question for you and for me, as we think about our life, we think about our faith, we think about even maybe a trial we go through, is like, what are we looking to? Are we hoping in this fix or that fix? Are we taking somebody's word? Or are we taking the word of the eternal God, who is faithful, who has firmly established what he has said, who has shown himself to be true over and over again? Do we look to him at all times? Is he where we place our faith? Is his word the rock on which we stand? It's a hard question because oftentimes we want to trust in many other things. We trust even in systems. We trust in in good things. But they are not God. And they will be shown to have a limit one day. And so, I don't know where you're coming from. What you're going through. How your mind's kind of processing everything you experience, even in this moment. But if you are looking for contentment, you're looking for a way out. You're looking for comfort in anything else. Other than the word of God, then you may perish in your affliction. But verse 92 says, if the law had not been my delight, I would have perished. But if the law is your delight, if the law is your delight, then you realize it has given you life. Something to stand upon when the winds come and the floodwaters come. You can stand firm, knowing that God has firmly established what he has said. How does this apply? It applies in general, obviously, as you think about something to trust in. Yeah, sure, I get it. I have to trust in God's word because it's true. But what does it say about your current struggle? What does it say about the current things you question in life or in this world? Well, you know that God's word is sufficient to teach you about that very thing. Uh, we've talked to this verse many times. It's looking through Psalm 119. Is also 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All the scriptures breathed out by God and it's useful for what? Well, it's useful for training. It's useful for correction. And so the question is, are you finding that out? Are you even taking the time to, to look at the word of God or are you just trying to figure things out on your own? I often do. I often try to uh, just, you know, just grab the bull by the horns and, and deal with something Without going like, okay, this is probably going to fail as much as it might be logical. I might have every duck in the row. What has God's word said about this kind of circumstance? And how can I, as I maybe have to establish um, certain things in my life, how can I bring that to bear under the word and the promises of God? About what he has said about who I am? What he said about who he is? What he has promised about what is to come? What he has promised about what I'm going through in this moment. It's when you look to the everlasting, eternal word of God that you can stand firm with a clear head and say, okay, God, you you have appointed this thing. Show me. Give me wisdom. Give me hope. Give me strength. All the hope that we've seen so far and the, the, the grasping at hope through trials that we've seen in Psalm 119, it all comes down to this. is God says, you have my word. Okay. A word that is forever, firmly fixed in the heavens, faithful to all generations. That's the word in which we can look to and cling to for all of our trials, for all of our good days, all of our bad. But that's the thing. We've got to be people of the word to know it. We have to be people of the word to look to him and to stand upon Christ the solid rock all other ground is sinking sand let's pray god it amazes us that you've spoken to us at all but exceeding that is that what you have said is firmly established it's not that you know we're we're hoping you're in a good mood today and we'll keep that promise you said It's not that, oh, we hope the world has not got so out of control that you are unable to do what you have said. Oh no, God, based upon who you are, based upon the nature of your eternal word, the faithfulness of your eternal character, we trust you. Help us, oh God. Help us when we disbelieve you. Help us when we look to other things. Help us when we trust in other things and build ourselves a faulty home with a faulty foundation. Help us to firmly fix our our faith, our life, our salvation, our our enduring trials, our, our experiencing victories. Help us to establish all of them standing upon what you have said and looking to you for guidance through all things. Not just as some general principle or just some token like, oh yeah, I believe the Bible. But God, establish it truly in our hearts, establish it truly in our faith. And we know, God, that often comes through trial. Where we need to look to you because nothing's left all perfections have a limit but your word is exceedingly broad help us experience that and know it this week as we look to you for all things in christ's name we pray amen